almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Catholic Podcast for the 29th day of March 2006. I'm your reader, John J. O'Sullivan. Today is Wednesday in the fourth week in Lent. On this day, the churches of the Anglican Communion commemorate the life of John Keeble, priest. Let's begin today's podcast with a reading from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. At that time, Jesus passed by, and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so on, and that which followeth. A homily by St. Augustine the Bishop. Dreadful and wondrous are all the things which our Lord Jesus Christ did. They are at one at the same time both works and words. Works, because they are wrought out of his might. Words, because they are signs of his wisdom. If therefore we consider the signification of this work of his, we see in the man blind from birth the figure of mankind. This blindness fell on the first man by reason of sin, from which we trace the origin, not only of death, but of evil also. For if blindness be unbelief, and if faith be enlightenment, whom did Christ find at his first coming that he could account as faithful? Yea, even the apostle, who was himself born of the race of the prophet Seth, we also were by nature children of wrath, even as others. And if children of wrath, then also children of vengeance, children of damnation, children of hellfire. And how is it said, by nature, unless it be that the first man, by sinning, brought this affliction on human nature? And if he be brought this penalty on all human nature, then all men, so far as their spirit is concerned, are born blind. Now the evangelist saith, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And then what did he? He set forth a great mystery. He spat on the ground and made clay of his spittle. And he who was himself the word made flesh, thus made ointment of his spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind. But albeit the blind was thus anointed, yet at first he saw not. Wherefore the Lord sent him unto the pool which is called Siloam, now the evangelist was concerned to impress upon us the name of this pool, and therefore he said, Siloam, which is, by interpretation, sent. Ye well know who is signified by this word, sent. For had this same not been sent, we ourselves never would have been set free from sin. Accordingly, the blind man went his way, and washed his eyes in that pool, which is, by interpretation, sent. In other words, we see in this figure of baptism into Christ. When therefore he was thus figuratively baptized into him that the Father hath sent, 
he came seeing. If this be so, it may also be said that the anointing which he received before he went to the pool made him, first of all, a figure of a catechumen. We have heard a great mystery. Ask of a man, Art thou a Christian? And if he answereth thee, I am not, then thou dost ask him, Art thou a pagan or a Jew? And if he still saith unto thee, Nay, dost thou then not say, Art thou then a catechumen, though not yet one of the faithful? And if he saith, Yea, a catechumen, then now dost there behold a man anointed, but not yet washed. With what hath he been anointed? Ask of him, and he will tell thee. Ask of him in whom he believeth, and, being a catechumen, he will say, In Christ. But behold, I am now speaking in the presence of the faithful, and of catechumens also. Mark ye what I said concerning the spittle and the clay. I said the word was made flesh. This much even the catechumens have been taught, but it is not enough for them merely to be anointed unto this preliminary teaching. They must make haste to the washing, if they would have their eyes opened. Here endeth the lesson. Concerning the life of Blessed John Keeble, here's a reading from Lesser Feasts and Fasts. New every morning is the love, our awakening and uprising prove, through sleep and darkness safely brought, restore to life and power and thought. These familiar words of John Keeble are from his cycle of poems entitled The Christian Year, published in 1827, which he wrote to restore among Anglicans a deep feeling for the church year. The work went through 95 editions, but this was not the fame he sought. His consuming desire was to be a faithful pastor who finds fulfillment in daily services, confirmation classes, visits to village schools, and a voluminous correspondence with those seeking spiritual counsel. Keeble, born in 1792, received his early education in his father's vicarage. At 14, he won a scholarship to Oxford and graduated in 1811 with highest honors. He served the university in several capacities, including 10 years as professor of poetry. After ordination in 1816, he had a series of rural curacies and finally settled in 1836 into a 30-year pastorate at the village of Hurley near Winchester. England was going through a turbulent change from a rural to an industrial and urban society. Among the reforms of the 1830s, Parliament acted to abolish ten Anglican bishoprics in Ireland. Keeble vigorously attacked his action as undermining the independence of the church. His disease's sermon in 1834 was the spark that ignited the Oxford movement. Those drawn to the movement began to publish a series of tracts for the times, hence the popular name Tractarians, which sought to recall the church to its ancient sac sacramental heritage. John Henry Newman was the intellectual leader of the movement. Ed Edward Henry, pardon me, Edward Bouvary Pousset, pardon my pronunciation, was the prophet of its devotional life, and John Keeble was its pastoral inspiration. Though bitterly attacked, his loyalty to his church was unwavering. Within three years of his death, at age 74, a college bearing his name was established in Oxford to give an education and strict fidelity to the Church of England. 
For Keeble, this would have meant dedication to learning in order to live more nearly as we pray. Here endeth the lesson. Let us pray. O God, who dost grant unto the righteous the reward of their godliness, and unto sinners that turn unto thee with fasting the pardon of their offenses, have compassion, we pray thee, upon us, thy humble servants, that we, confessing the sins which we have committed, may obtain of thee the remission of all our iniquities. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Grant, O God, that in all time of our testing we may know thy presence and obey thy will, that following the example of thy servant John Keeble, we may accomplish with integrity and courage that which thou givest us to do, and enjoy that which thou givest us to bear. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. And with that, this ends today's edition of the Anglo-Catholic Podcast. As always, I am your reader, John J. O'Sullivan, praying that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, bless us and keep us now and forever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The Anglo-Catholic Podcast is sponsored by The Church of St. Anthony of Padua in Hackensack, New Jersey. Whether you live, work, or are visiting the greater North Jersey, New York metro area, come and worship with us. On Sundays, a low Mass in Spanish is at 8 a.m. and a high Mass in English at 10 a.m. For directions, service times, or for more information, call Father Brian Laffler at 201-489-4728 or check out her website at www.stanthonyhackensack and Hackensack is spelled H-A-C-K-E-N-S-A-C-K dot org. The Church of St. Anthony of Padua is affiliated with Ford and Faith North America and the American Anglican Council.